This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Divine Echoes, Reconciling Prayer with the Uncontrolling Love of God. How the heck does petitionary prayer work in a world where there's so much suffering and evil? Is praying for others just a religious, superstitious practice that does nothing at all except make the person praying feel better? If we don't pray for others, does God allow them to get sicker, lose potential rent money, and suffer in their addictions? Is that who God really is? Can we engage in prayer that is more effective, less harmful, and doesn't make God look like an unfair, stingy, and fickle jerk? If you are looking for a pioneering book on prayer that is thought-provoking, challenging, and endorsed by some of today's most well-known authors and scholars— then Divine Echoes is the book for you. A bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering evangelical. What could go wrong? This is the Messy Spirituality Podcast with Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and Jason Elam. Welcome in, everybody, to another Messy Conversation. This is Jason Elam, and I'm excited to be here today with my friend Brent Shebler, who is with Ink Drinker Editing and Literary Services. I can think of no better person to talk to about some of the best books of 2022. Brent, welcome. How are you? Thanks for having me, Jason. I'm doing well. I hope you guys had a good holiday season. Absolutely. How about you guys? You guys have a big crew. Now, would you tell the listeners just a little bit about you and your family setup? Yeah, definitely. So I'm Brent. I own my own editing and proofreading and book formatting typesetting service, catering more towards authors that work with small publishers and self-publishing. I have a large family. I have seven kids and a lovely wife. Um, my kids are, we have 12-year-old twins, a nine-year-old, three-year-old triplets, and a two-year-old. So we have a bunch of little ones in the house. And your hands are very, very full. Yes, I've, I've been blessed um, in more ways than one. And it's so funny because everybody's, you know, we'll go out and people are like, oh, you're raising such a good, you know, conservative Christian family. And I'm like, if you only knew the, <laughs> the, leftist, the leftist propaganda we're teaching our kids. <laughs> good little progressives. Yes. We're, we're, we're combating. <laughs> well, good for you. Um, uh, before we get into the best books of the year, and I know there's a lot of books to talk about, but before we do that, would you give us some of your spiritual backstory? Were you, were you raised in an atmosphere of faith? Yes and no. So my family was Catholic growing up. Both of my parents were born and raised Catholic. Um, I was raised in the church until my parents got divorced. And back in the early 80s, that was not acceptable. <laughs> so we left the church. After that, I kind of went through middle and high school with a bunch of different friends. Um, was a camp counselor one summer for a Lutheran church camp and kind of bounced around through my adulthood of going to church, not going to church, always struggling with odd questions of things that I would read or that we'd be taught that didn't make sense. Um, things like the flood. I was a geography major in college. I studied a lot about geography. The flood just doesn't make sense to me um, and all the historical data I've read. And then how did the penguins get backed up? you know, Antarctica. How, how did the kangaroos get back to Australia? Yeah. So growing up, it was those types of questions. And then obviously now that I'm older, it's been a whole lot more. Nowadays, I would consider myself a atheist, agnostic, Jesus is a really cool guy. I wish his followers were more like him type of person. 
Yeah, I know um, a lot of folks like that. So I haven't really settled in any anything. It's still, you know, I just keep asking the questions and keep trying to find answers. And that's part of what drives my reading is anywhere I can find answers, I look for them. And that's usually in a book. Very cool. All right, well, let's hit the ground running on the best books for spirituality in 2022. What were your favorites? Oh, my favorites. And some of these are going to be some older books that I just finally got around to reading. The first one I'm going to put on this list is The Shack. I finally read The Shack for the first time this year after hearing about it all over the place. I didn't want to do it. I finally picked it up and was blown away by The Shack. That's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, the story that William Paul Young wraps in that and taking on some things that are taboo in Christianity was just... It was well done. It was well written. You felt for the characters. You wanted to follow along and know more about them. And he just did a great job with it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what surprises me now? Uh, when I first read that book, oh man, early 2000s, I don't know, maybe... Yeah, maybe 2006 or seven. I'm not sure when it came out. But uh, I remember it being really controversial to my conservative Baptist mind. But then when I saw the movie more recently, I was like, what's, what is controversial about this? You know, I don't understand how anybody could have a problem with this. But obviously, people did. It's, it's weird that, you know, something that when you read it, it you're like, this doesn't seem that controversial when you're in the book. But then you really think about what he's trying to say and how he's saying it. You're like, yeah, if I didn't question anything and was, you know, just followed along with what I've been taught, which is easy to do. We all do it in one way or another in all different aspects of our life. Um, Whether it's religion or political, it's easy to see where you can be all up in arms about somebody retelling the story in a different way that makes it more accessible. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you said that you initially didn't want to read that book. What was it about it? Was it just because it was such a big deal? Yeah, I tend to stay away from books that everybody raves about. Sure, yeah. It's the rebel in you, isn't it, Brent? It is, it is. And it's also, when you hear so much about a book, there's a lot of times I'm like, I don't want to be let down, so I just won't read it. I also have this bad habit of I don't finish series well. So like, I've never read the last book of Harry Potter. I've read all of them, but the last book of Harry Potter. Have you seen the movies? I've seen part of the, I've seen the first half of the, you know, the first movie of the last book movies. Right. I never saw the second one. You've seen part one of Deathly Hallows, but not part two. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now I am sitting here surrounded by probably a hundred Harry Potter Funko Pops. So this is very big deal to me. You need to, you need to read that book. I know how it ends. I, I know the story. I've walked in on my, my wife and my kids are big Harry Potter fans. I've walked in on the last movie. I've, I've probably, in honesty, have seen all of the last movie, but I've never sat down and watched it. I've seen it in bits gotcha. and pieces here, or I've got my headphones on working away while they're in there watching a movie. So I know how it ends, and I knew how it ended before I ever got to that point in the book series, because I didn't read them until yeah. I was an adult, um, well after they had gotcha. been out. So so yeah, I've, I'm, I'm bad at finishing series. I didn't finish the Twilight series, but that was a horribly written series. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't start the Twilight series, but... I read the first book to see what it was all about. And that's that's one of the places where the, the books that everybody talks about started not reading them uh, until years later when the hype gotcha. is gone. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And and I can relate to that. I was one of those preachers back when Harry Potter and the Shack came out that was railing against them, but had never read them. Oh. And so I actually just got into the Harry Potter series last year. I mean, this year, 2022. Okay. And so uh, it's all new to me. I'm sitting here in my Hogwarts alumni t-shirt, looking at my wife and her... Uh, her Harry Potter shirt, her Accio coffee shirt nice. that, that tells me to bring her coffee every morning. And uh, she doesn't wear it every day. Don't hear that. <laughs> She'll be mad. Um, <laughs> but we're just, you know, big fans. We go to Universal and hang out oh, at, nice. the, uh, at the Hogwarts place down there. So anyway, that's cool. So that uh, I'm really taking the uh, Harry Potter thing personally more than I should. But it's all right. right. So you mentioned The Shack as one of your favorite books of the year that you've read on spirituality. What else is on that list? This is going to sound like it was planned. It was not. Parenting Deconstructed hit me where I needed it at the time I needed it. Oh, I'm high-fiving my wife in the air right now for Parenting Deconstructed making a best of list. I just <laughs> finished reading it um, probably a week and a half ago. Um, wow. I've had a copy of it for a while. And there were sections of it that I needed to hear at the times I was reading them. Awesome. It's tough. Yeah. You know, parenting is not easy. There's, you know... It's not, it's not a handbook. There's no, there's no written guidelines, but that book just gave me a lot of practical knowledge to try with my family. And I've got a lot of chances to try. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's one well, kid. Your kids are still young enough to get some benefit from it too, you know? Yes. And luckily they were, they never had, had that hardcore fundamentalist background in them. So the oldest That's three, awesome. I adopted them a year, two years ago now. I don't, a year and a half ago is when the adoption was finalized. I did a step-parent adoption with them. But even before I came into the picture, there wasn't that religious background. So luckily we're starting, we're not having to deconstruct with them. That's awesome. Such a gift. So me and my wife were, when, when we met seven years ago, we were both in the process and pretty through deconstructing. I've been back and forth more than she has. So she's kind of settled where she is, but I'm, I'm back and forth more. <laughs> my, my science brain and my, my, spiritual faith-based brain like to fight each other. I have both sides in me. So it makes it real, real interesting. Gotcha. Okay. So finding a place of balance might be key to your long-term. Yes. Uh, where you, where you hang out. That's cool. Yes. Um, other books that I read this year, spirituality wise that made my list. Um, it's spiritual esque. Uh, it's a book called the hidden lives of trees by Peter. And I'm going to mess his last name up. It's like, W-O-H-L-L-E-B-E-N. But it goes through and he talks about how trees have this interconnectedness in their roots, um, their root systems, you know, sometimes traveling miles and miles in one interconnected root system and how that they give off slightly different smells through their leaves and all sorts of random, you know, it sounds very woo-woo <laughs> at, at times. But it, it speaks to the interconnectedness of us all. And I feel like spiritually, we all, all there's that interconnectedness between us all as well. So that's why I consider this a spiritual book. Um, I don't know if he would or if anybody else does, but I got some spiritual edification out of reading it. Yeah, it, it immediately speaks a spiritual message to me just because I, I've just, I rewatched the first Avatar movie and just saw Avatar 2 a couple of days ago. And there, there's a lot of talk about how all these trees in Pandora are connected and they can send messages to each other and all of that. And I found a very deep spiritual meaning uh, 
connotated in that. So this sounds like something I'd be really interested in, even though normally it probably wouldn't be my thing. But right now I'm specifically interested. So that sounds cool. Yeah, it's been out for, it came out in 2015. It's actually the first in a series um, called The Mysteries of Nature. I have not read any of the other ones yet, but he goes into inner lives of animals, um, secret wisdom of nature, or two of the other titles in that series. All right, so the next one on my spiritual list that I would include is a memoir. In full disclosure, this is a book I edited and formatted. However, and it's a book I would have never read had it not come to me that way. This book, it's called Kissing with Eyes Wide Open by Kendana Heston, or Kendana K, sorry. And it talks about her life with her husband and how they met and their their growth and their, for lack of a better term, deconstruction journey as well as a couple and navigating that life together. Um, from a, you know, early on, you know, the man's in charge to we're, we're equal in this life. Let's figure it out together. She also has a large family like me. Um, she was a homeschool mom like my wife is. So there was a lot of similarities to my life there that I was able to pick up as well. But just reading it as somebody else's life story. As memoirs are my favorite thing to read. Because you get into somebody else's life and you can learn so much from things that other people go through. So that, that's one of my top top ones as well. I want to ask you about that one specifically. Yeah. And it was on my list of questions to ask you because a month or so ago, when you and I first started dreaming about this episode, you mentioned that book to me as one of the best books you'd read this year. You said it would have never come to you if you hadn't been involved in the editing of it. Uh, how, do, how does that happen? How does somebody come to you with a book? Yeah, um, there are a couple different ways. Um, I have a great friend who is a book coach, book writing coach. Who you actually may know Meg Calvin. She's a yeah, great she's person. she's been on the show. Yeah, we yeah. have a partnership where if her clients would like to self-publish, that she refers them to me um, for editing and formatting. So I get some of my clients that way. I also work with a couple other publishing houses who don't have on-staff editors or, or typesetter formatters for their books. Um, so I've got a couple publishing houses I work with there. And then sometimes it's just making connections with authors you know and have read. Um, I've got one that actually is married to somebody I went to high school with who has sent oh, me a wow, book cool. to read and, and edit. So it's it's a lot of networking. If you're not one of the big five publishers, it's a lot of networking. Yeah, well, that's just books in general, right? Yeah. And, and the big publishers are getting bigger and everybody else just has to work that much harder, it seems like. I think so. And I think that, you know, the big publisher is getting bigger their start, I, I've noticed in my reading journey, a lot more errors in books, a lot more continuity issues in, in especially in novels where things don't add up from book to book. Um, so I think as they get bigger, they're letting more fall to the wayside and the product is getting lessened. So I think that's where I've read a lot of great self-published or small house published books in the last probably four years than I've read from the big publishing houses. So that's, that's a trend I'm noticing. You know, I know there's going to, that's going to spark an argument because there are also some horribly written and horribly edited, you know, independent self-published books. <laughs> but the, the cool thing is the internet and some of the services available like yours and others, 
are, are making it so much easier for authors that could never get noticed by one of the big five. Yes. To be able to get their message out there and to build a substantial following. I mean, Keith Giles has an incredible track record of selling books. Uh, he's now one of the co-owners of Choir, but before he was a co-owner of Choir, before he was even published by Choir, he had already sold thousands of copies of books just by, you know, doing the work, putting in the work, building a following on social media and and uh, writing quality content. So it can be done. It's just really, really hard and it's a ton of work. Yes. And that actually segues into my next book. Okay, cool. Um, is a Keith Giles book, um, Sola Mysterium. Ah, uh, very good. This book, it lets you, it talks to you, it has you question. And that's what the book's about. It's about the subtitle on the book is celebrating the beautiful uncertainty of everything. And kind of as we spoke about earlier, I'm, I come from two sides, the very deep science side and the very need for spiritual. So there's a lot of uncertainty that I see. This book just kind of let me realize that that's okay. That's everywhere. You know, and if, if you're so certain about something, Something's probably not right. Yeah, and there's a really good chance you're wrong. Yep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I think about all the things I've been wrong about, <laughs> it, it, it it's humbling, right? Because I used to, I was so sure of so many things for so long that weren't true, and so now I, I guess I just I shoot for like a sixty percent accuracy <laughs> and know that I'll probably fall short of that. I'm I'm shooting for like one. You're right a day for my wife, and then I'm happy. If I can get one out of her a day. <laughs> hey, that's a pretty good average. I don't think that's uh, happening around here. <laughs> All right, so Keith Giles makes your list. What else you got on that spirituality list? That is probably my top five. I think we did five, maybe okay. six. I really think that's a good list. There were some here that tie in a little bit. I, let, I read Blue Like Jazz this year that everybody talked about by Donald Miller. Oh, yeah. I didn't like it. Um, really? Yeah, I liked his other book, uh, Thousand Million Miles in a Thousand Years Better. Yeah, that was a good book. But I think that this one, again, was one that fell victim to the hype. Everybody talked about Blue Light mm-hmm. Jazz before Yeah, uh, his other book came out. I read the other book first, liked it, and then came back to this one probably eight years later, five years later. It never it never grabbed me. It could be a timing thing. It could be. And that's the thing. I love. I like to go back and reread books at times, too. Yeah, sure. I know we're going to talk some memoirs and some fiction. What do you have on those lists to talk about? Oh, so we'll go memoirs. I've already mentioned one um, at the top of my spirituality list. Another one that I read that everybody talked about was I'm Glad My Mom Died. Yeah, I just heard of that in the last week. Uh, What did you think of it? I So I started it with the audiobook and I, I have kids that are into the Disney Channel. And I can't stand Jeanette McCurdy's voice because <laughs> I hear it all the time in the background. <laughs> um, and I can just hear, I only hear her characters. So I, and she, she recorded the audiobook. So I, I had to go and actually wait for the book to come in so I could read it. Um, once I got to reading it, it was, it was great. She really talks on a lot about, you know, some of the issues she had in Hollywood with the Me Too movement, mental health, abuse of drugs. It was, it was kind of real. You know, somebody coming from the Disney Channel and I think that's kind of the, the thing with the Disney Channel kids is they all kind of either go up or go way down. So it kind of gave a little bit of that. It wasn't amazing, but it was a good insight into that life. And everybody's been talking about it this year. So I felt I, I felt I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. Gotcha. The best audiobook memoir I, I listened to this year, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Really? Awesome. 
that gentleman could read me the phone book and I would be in hog heaven. <laughs> but it was just, it was very uniquely done. Um, in the book, there's some breakout spots. Um, they don't come across as well in the audio book, but he's always got something positive to say and a good spin on things. He's a bit out there. He's a bit woo woo as well, but he's got just a way of everything's going to be all right type of living him, you know, all right, all right, all right. So it's, it was, it was probably my best listen all year. I listened to it twice to catch parts I missed because I listened to it at work. Other than that, let's see other great memoirs I read this year. A U.S. Senate candidate from Kentucky. He went up against Rand Paul two years ago and went against um, Mitch McConnell this past election cycle. Um, Charles Booker has a memoir out about his run for office and what led up to him deciding that. Um, it's basically kind of like an early biography slash memoir called From the Hood to the Holler. I, I live in Indiana, so I'm just north of Kentucky and we like to give Kentucky a lot of, a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> but I've kind of followed him politically for a while and it was just a, you know, a good read of how we can come together. You know, whether you're, you know, he's from inner city Louisville. Um, but you know, he's working, you know, and talking to people out in, you know, Appalachia, Kentucky. And how similar the issues are if we actually just look at the issues and not what we're told. So that was a really great read. Reread um, for the first time since high school, Night by Elie Wiesel, about oh, wow. his, you know, time during World War II and in the concentration camp. Still a powerful read. So Hits powerful. way differently as an adult than it does as a high schooler. Well, anything you're not being forced to read or graded on later. Yes has a different feel to it. It hits different. It, it definitely does. Um, I didn't realize until this year when I reread it that it's actually part of a series. So he has two other others out that I'm going to read. I'm going to read one each year is what I've decided. So in 2023, I'll read his next one, which I don't have the name of that right in front of me. And then in 2024, I'll read the following one. Just kind of keep that because I think that's a great reminder of where we've come as a world and what we don't need to go back to. Um, he just He just has a powerful way of of shaping his words to get you to really understand what was going on, but not being too macabre. I mean, it was a dark situation, you know, but it, it, it keep, there's not that, that extra that, you know, I've read some accounts where it goes into all the gory details and which needs to be talked about too, but not all the time. And so I think he balances that very well. Well, and I, that's one thing that I took away from night as well was, how you could feel present. I mean, that section about God and the gallows is just so powerful. But, and you feel present, but you're not like overwhelmed, like, like you were saying, with the feeling of the macabre or like it's grotesque. You're heartbroken rather than disgusted, you know? And obviously there's a lot to have been disgusted about in concentration camp. But anyway, I thought that was a really powerful book. Other great memoirs I read this year... The Black Klansman. Ah, okay. Got around to that finally this year um, by Ron Stallworth. Basically, the story of a law enforcement agent who happens to be black, but also joined the KKK. It wasn't found out about it. He was able to do it all basically through phone and had a stand-in for when he had to be there physically in person. And just an interesting read as to what was going on in the world at that time. And for lack of a better term, the, the set of guts it would take to even try to do something like that. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Just, just amazing. So that, that was a really good one I read too. 
that's that's probably my top list for for memoirs. For memoirs. Now let's talk fiction a little bit. Do you have some favorite fiction reads this year? I have tons of favorite fiction reads. Fiction is, <laughs> is what I primarily listen to when I'm working my day job. So I can I can get through those without, you know, if I miss a few sentences here or there, it's not as important to the story. I I found a love for Stephen King this year that I never knew I had. I've tried The Dark Towers in the past. I tried it, some more of his classic stuff all throughout my past. Last year, I read The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon as part of a blind date with a book that my library did. So you just went in and just had a cover and like a very short snippet about the book. And when I saw that it was Stephen King, I'm like, I am not gonna like this. So The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, you picked it up. You did not think you were gonna like it because Stephen King wrote it. And then you read it. I read it and it was like, this was pretty good. So I've heard a lot about 11, 63. So I picked that up and just got immersed into his world. Um, went from there to Under the Dome, which was also a great listen. Um, and I think that's maybe how I'm going to have to start doing Stephen King is listening rather than reading. Ah, gotcha. He gets wordy, which when I'm listening, it's yeah, not as bad. Sure. But he also builds great worlds um, if you give him the time. I think I was in a more impatient stage in my life when I started the other books um, and just wanted to get onto the story. So in 2023, I plan on tackling his newest book, Fairy Tale. Heard good things and bad things about it. So it'll be interesting to see where I fall on that one. But the 11, 22, 63 is basically a, a retelling of time travel where you could possibly go back and save JFK's life. And would it change anything? Yeah, the series that they did for Amazon uh, really captivated my wife and I. We were hanging on every episode of that show. I, I was a little disappointed in the ending. I, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if the book ended the same way. But... Uh, how did how did the ending hit you it, of the book? It was it was anticlimactic, I think. Yeah, it, it was good, but it wasn't. It could have been. I, I'm like, it could have been better. But I find that with a lot of books. Um, sure. Either, yeah, either, either it could have been better, or ooh, give me more. I want a sequel now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Under the dome was another. Like I said, it was a good one. It was basically a dome falls over this town. Nobody knows where it came from. I know there's been a series of that. I have not watched that either. I don't get to watch a lot of TV. It's taken over by Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and teenage girl angsty shows. Other great fiction read. Um, I'm going to reveal a guilty pleasure of mine. Nicholas Sparks, The Wish. Really good book. Uh, okay. Um, I won't go into any details on that because that's a secret hidden guilty pleasure of mine. I read Ken Follett has a book out called Never. Ken Follett wrote The Pillars of the Earth Books. He also wrote a series of books that run through like the 19th century. Um, follows basically the same families, and the families actually tie back into his older work. This was completely different. It was basically on the brink of nuclear war, and it follows the president and some other people through that, navigating those times. Pure work of fiction, but it the characters grabbed you. I, I felt on the edge of my seat. I. This one too was one I listened to at work and I'd find myself taking the long way home so I could listen to it more in the car. <laughs> so Ken Follett, I found, you know, he's another one of those that his books are, you know, backbreakers if you're carrying them around in your backpack. This one, it, it went so quick. Um, it didn't feel like a long book. That's always nice, right? When you can read right through it and not think about how long it's taking you. Exactly. Other fiction books that were popular this year or not so popular that I read that I enjoyed... I gave Colleen Hoover a try. Colleen Hoover 
if you're anywhere near TikTok in books, she's all over the place. She's had so many new books come out this year. She is a mostly romance writer um, with a little bit of darkness in her romance. And she started self-publishing and then got picked up by a big publisher once her book started picking up steam and selling really well. Um, I chose her book, Verity, which is about an author and a ghostwriter. And let me just say, huh? <laughs> it was <laughs> it was all over the place. It was good. I actually found myself drawn into the story. It was a little dark and creepy at time. And my wife read it right at the same time I did. We read it all while we were on vacation this summer. And there were times she had to put the book down as a mother because she couldn't get through parts of it. I, at times, was like, did I really just read that? <laughs> but it has one of the best opening lines from a book I've read in years. Um, so friends, if you want to see what that best opening line that Brent has ever read is, take a look at the show notes and you'll find it there. Perfect. Brent, other fiction books? Other fiction books I read this year. I'm going to go into a little dark romance. This actually a friend of a friend from high school wrote this series, so I gave it a try. It's called Night Monsters. Book two and three of that just came out. Basically, there are demons and vampires and LGBTQ-friendly demons and vampires. And it it's weird if you're not into that stuff. But there is a huge market for it. And it was surprisingly well-written. Most of the stuff I've seen in that genre are just pumped out. This one, um, it's by Melissa S. Meyer. Oh, yeah. And our, our oldest daughter likes to read her. Really? That's really cool. Yeah. So, well, very good. Now, Brent, I know that you are working on a really exciting project that you're going to tell us a little bit about that will be coming up in February. Tell us what you've got cooking. Yes. So, February 22nd, mark your calendars, will be the initial release of Ink Drinker Literary Society. It is a co venture with myself and my co host, Nikki Pappas. We will be deep diving into books around social issues. Our first book that we're tackling is Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. We will have um, some guests that appear as we do kind of a book club style discussion around it. We will dig into some issues of race and poverty and the justice system with this book. And uh, this book's been out for a while. That's why we picked it for, uh, for our first book. Great movie um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful, powerful yes. book and movie. So yeah. that's what we picked for our first our first book that we're going to discuss. And again, we're going to be dropping on the 22nd of February, everywhere you find your podcasts. And, and what's so cool about that, I know you mentioned before we uh, went on air today, that you're going to have, what is it, four episodes about that one book? Yes. Yeah, so at when we launch, we're, we should have four episodes ready to go. One will just be an introduction to ourselves in the book. And then we'll have two to three. We're still finalizing the editing on that, where we discuss the book in detail with some guests that are connected to the topic in some way. And then, so when you first launch first, you're going to hear the whole book all at once. And then we'll come out every other week with doing one book a month. Very cool. Well, I'm excited about that podcast. I think it's it's really uh, it's something that's missing from the podcast community. Something where they can do a where you can do a deep dive into a particular book from lots of different perspectives. And I love the fact that you're trying to include a lot of different voices in that conversation on each book, and especially starting off with such an important book with Just Mercy. Yeah, that's that's really our goal. Is we want to get a lot of voices around the table 
Like, I understand I'm a middle-aged, cishet white guy. Nobody wants to hear me talk. But I want, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. Podcast by us. <laughs> yes. But I'm going to yeah. do it anyway because I have, I have the, the passion for books and I have the, the desire to bring people together that have voices that need to be heard. So I can elevate them. But at the same time, you're bringing another voice along for that conversation. Exactly. Right? Yes. That's, that's the yeah. goal is to, to bring aside, bring along voices that can tell their story. So we'll, we'll be talking with authors. We'll be talking with different people who have been impacted by, and in this case, by the judicial system. All while we talk about a book that got us thinking about it. Um, other books that we're, that we're going to be talking about this year in the first couple months. We're going to read Code Girls, which is about the code breakers of the Axis Code in World War II. A little bit of his history in there. In September, we're doing a book called Faces of Addiction by Josh Lawson, um, who is a, a friend of mine who wrote an amazing book about the reality of addiction, not, not just statistics, but people that actually face addiction from addicts and their families to the community around them. I know that's a ways out, but we're, there's a reason we're doing it then. Um, we're also going to be doing the second race and guns in a fatally unequal America. So we're going to challenge the second amendment and do some talking about that. So that's going to be an interesting one. We're going to bring some, some people who are very pro gun and some that aren't into the, into the conversation with that one. So that sounds fascinating. I'm excited about the Josh Lawson episodes as well. I really liked that book. He came on and talked about it and he's actually written a follow up book. To that book, which is really fantastic as well. I've just read it recently. So oh, excellent. Yeah, really good stuff. So how can people find uh, Ink Drinker Literary Society? Yes, Ink Drinker Literary Society. Um, we will be on Facebook underneath the same name, Ink Drinker Literary Society. You can find it through my Facebook page, at which is just Brent Shubler. That'll be in the show notes because nobody, Absolutely. nobody can say my, spell my last name. Um, you can also find it through, um, my business webpage, Ink Drinker Editing and Literary Services at, or inkdrinkerliterary.com. Okay. Good to know, man. We'll have all links to all of that and all of the books that Brent mentioned in the show notes. And so I'm excited for you and our listening audience to discover these books. Let us know what you liked and what you didn't like that you read in 2022. We'd love for you to join the conversation over at Messy Conversations on Facebook. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Brent, thanks so much for being here, man. Thank you, Jason. It's, it's been a, a pleasure. And I will talk books anytime. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>